Welcome to Stats on Deck. I'm Nick Laporte, and I'm joined here by Jake Adams. And How's we are talking going great. We are talking MLB free agency, Manny Machado, what it means for the rest of the league, and then we'll get into some over unders for the season and finish off with some playoff predictions. Perfect. Can you believe ten years, three hundred million dollars? It is astounding. It is the largest <laughs> free agency signing in major sports history, surpassing one of the great players of all time, Alex Rodriguez, 10 years, $275 million for the Yankees, which worked out very well for them. One World Series. <laughs> One World Series in 10 years. They were promised um, eight, though. They weren't able to get the eight. They got the one. Um, and remember, that was uh, Alex Rodriguez going to a stacked team with Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Robinson Cano, uh, not the San Diego Padres with Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer, and then solidified by Will Myers. Right. <laughs> um, I, I want to get your initial reaction when you, you saw the tweet, 10 years, 300 million, Machado to the Padres. What was going through your head? So – we knew that Machado wasn't going to sign anything. Like there was never a possibility that he was going to sign anything short term at any point uh, in the off season. The thing that I thought was interesting was I thought from, I thought he would initially go to the highest bidder, but I never thought that it was going to be the Padres. I thought with the White Sox, you know, what did they, they signed Manny's best friend and brother-in-law in Chicago. And I thought that, you know, it was pretty much over. They would just work out the figures. And I think it came out after Manny had said that he was going to sign with the Padres that the White Sox had offered, I think it was eight million, two hundred eight years for 250 million. That's right. Something along, something along those lines. And he just goes to the Padres. And I, I gotta be honest with you. I couldn't be happier to see such a, I don't know dirty player go to the other end of the world it feels like in San Diego right well everybody in the AL East won't have to worry about him anymore (laughs) Dustin Pedroia's knee is safe (laughs) finally and the White Sox um obviously neither team came close to the playoffs last year nor have they for years now but I personally felt like the White Sox are closer to contention than the Padres and for Machado I know that's not the only deciding factor but if I was trying to succeed and hopefully make the playoffs in a weak division and try to solidify myself solidify myself as one of the game's best players Mm -hmm. I think I would have gone to Chicago by the way the AL Central is wide open if the White Sox had a few of their young players perform well they could have been potentially a playoff contender within a year, maybe. Well, they well the White Sox showed, like, glimpses last year. I mean, they were beating decent teams in stretches. I mean, overall, they were awful. But, I mean, they at least showed stretches where they were bringing up some of their young talent. You have Jose Abreu at first base. You have um, Yohan Mankata, uh, former Red Sox, uh, pride and joy of the minor league uh, prospects traded for my uh, my father Chris Sale right but you I mean they have a loaded farm system so does San Diego but I like you said I think I think the White Sox are a little bit closer I mean 
I know everybody, all anybody can talk about when, you know, you get like the top 100 prospects coming out or you, you're ranking the farm systems is how good San Diego's looks. But the reality is, is that I don't, we haven't seen any of them. I mean, I think some of their best minor league prospects have yet to come out of like what high A, double, double A. I mean, we don't even know what these guys are going to look like. There's a lot more risk involved going to sign in San Diego. I mean, right. And the, the other thing, the other thing that's surprising about that is last year you get Eric Hosmer signs however long his deal was, but, you know, gets paid. And basically I think what we called it was basically it was the equivalent of like a Jason Worth type trade. Right. I mean, type type acquisition where, you know, you have a, you have a veteran player that has won a world series, has success, you know, can be a leader on a team um, sign with a young sign with a, you know, an up and coming rebuilding young team. I think the only difference is that, like with the Nationals, you had Ryan Zimmerman. You were, you had other team, you had other players in the pipeline. Steven Strasburg was coming up. There was a little bit more of a positive trend with the Nationals. So I don't, I don't know quite the motivation outside of money in the contract specifically that Manny wanted to go to San Diego. Right. I mean, if we look at this reported deal from the White Sox. The eight years, two hundred fifty million, which would have got him more money per year for two less years, and then, according to Ken Rosenthal, if all of the incentives in the deal had vested, he could have earned three hundred fifty million in those eight years. Now that's not yeah, a guarantee. That, yeah. It's not a guarantee. Now he could very well, even forgetting about injuries, he could just not reach whatever those incentives are but to me if I'm Machado so now I'm going to be a free agent probably when I'm 31 because there's an opt-out after year five I don't disagree with that so he'll have made 150 million halfway through the deal and he'll be 31 years old looking for likely one final big deal I think he played that smart now, that being said, I think the White Sox would have had a similar opt-out after four, right. three, four or five years. I just don't know. I guess the Padres technically had a better record last year. They were a 66-game winner. The White Sox were a 62-game winner. So, right. so if we want to look at those four-win difference, we can see, hey, at least the Padres didn't lose triple-digit games. So that's yeah, a, that's that's the real winning. That's the real winner there. That's 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 what uh, that's what keeps your confidence up, right? I do <laughs> think the the one thing I will say, even though the the AL Central is a pretty weak division, the Indians were exposed in the playoffs. They did not look like a ninety win team. No, um, the Twins might be able to resurface as a above five hundred team. We have to wait and see. And then the Tigers and Royals still look like they're a few years away from even thinking about contending. So I see, I see the path for the White Sox to get back into playoff contention there. But I also, thinking about it from Machado's perspective, I think the NL is a much weaker league overall where mm-hmm. if the – I mean, if you, if you just look at the AL had two 100-game – excuse me, three 100-game winners last year, uh, the – the high in wins for the NL was 94. 
So there's a little bit of a disparity last year and in the last few years. So I guess the Padres could potentially looking into like 2021, 2022, sort of the, the year or so before that opt out for Machado, that could be a time when if things go right for them, they're a 90 win team. Machado's anchoring the lineup. Um, from a baseball perspective, he fits in really nicely because they didn't have a third baseman and they really don't have a shortstop either. So he can play. I know he prefers shortstop. Yeah, so he, he doesn't, he does not want to move over to the hot corner. I right. can does that remind you of another guy we were just talking about? Well, that's, that's actually interesting that you that you brought that up because the thing that I think about is when you offer a, this massive contract out to to uh, an all-star player, you know, one of the top free agents in, in his class. My question to you and really really to this situation is, when we look at Manny Machado and his resume and the things that he's done on and off the baseball field, the, you know, the, the chasm of issues that come along with him, do we, do we sit back and think to ourselves, like in four years, like Manny Machado – is going to be like the anchor of this team? Like, is he going to be the player that, you know, when they go through a five game losing streak, he pulls them off out of the, out of the dirt, you know, and, and, and pushes his team to win games or, you know, when things aren't clicking well in the clubhouse, Manny Machado is going to fix things because I, listen, he can, he's going to get older and right. I hope that he matures, but I mean, I never, like, I don't think to myself, Hey, like Mookie bet. I mean, I don't think to myself, like he's somebody like, Mookie Betts that can carry a team through a touch stretch or Mike Trout or, you know, Alex Bregman, uh, right. Francisco Lindor. Like these, this is, this is not a guy that I think to myself, well, Manny's going to pull us out of it. Right. As far as young players go and and we can see Machado is very young. He's going to turn 27 during this season. Um, all of his success has come before his athletic prime really which is good news for him because we, we should only expect him to, if not get better, at least sustain this level of production. But as far as the off-the-field issues go, the charging the mound, tripping guys at first base. Purposely const- trying to hurt people. Constantly trying to hurt people, including some really just unacceptable plays. That the the uh, Aguilar play in the playoffs. I mean the Pedroia slide right. during the regular season. I understand that I'm biased in that instance, but I mean you you could look just about anywhere. I mean the, you you have a you have a multiple time offender, and he's developed a reputation amongst the MLB, and and that's why I go back to 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 this this core issue. It's like you're you're going to build a team around this supposed really young, great, talented group of prospects and your leading role model is Manny Machado. Right. And that's, that's that's a flag. That's a disaster really is what it is. I Um, I sound like a hater, but like that's, that's a red flag. The, the thing the Padres must be thinking is Machado's talent is, was too high to pass up and Mm -hmm. any leadership that they need is going to come from Eric Hosmer. That's what that's what they must be thinking because if you expect Manny Machado to change who he is after seven years in the big leagues, it's not going to happen. 
if this was year two or year three, I would say maybe, you know, at, at age 21 or 22, sure. He could, he could mature a little bit. I mean, he, yeah. he's going to be 30 before we blink our eyes and that's true. He's still acting like this. Um, we could, he is I not mean, the player that I would have picked to build my team around in this no. respect. If, no. if I was the Padres, I know they have a little bit of a log jam in the outfield. Although when you have shitty players, excuse me, when you have bad no, players, it's, it's when you have bad players, you shouldn't really care about that. Like my point is sign Bryce Harper instead, give him the money. And then, you know what? Will Myers, you're moving to right field. And Bryce Harper. I don't going think he'd have a problem with that. Bryce is going to left and, uh, Reyes, Franmil Fran Reyes, um, you're not you're not a starter anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> if there's anybody out there besides Franmil Reyes's parents that knew who he was, I apologize. But um, this is my problem here. Yes, you still would have had a hole on the left side of your infield, and you would have had to figure something out there. But um, and and it's not even to say that Bryce Harper's character doesn't have questions, but. It doesn't have as many. It doesn't have as many. If you if you're giving the three hundred million plus commitment to a player, it's a major investment. It's bigger than anyone's ever invested, ex- excluding John Carlos Stanton. However, the Marlins got out of that contract as quick as they could, so that should that tell was you more something. years though. That right? was well. The reason it doesn't count is because it was an extension, not a oh, signing. Okay. Okay. I believe that was in the $358 million range, which is just... It was astronomical. Unbelievable. And But he's won an MVP. True, and it was a well-deserved MVP. Yeah, yes, it was. So, we, I mean, we could we could sit here. Yeah. And, I mean, we could dedicate this entire podcast to Manny, but I, I think we, I, slightly switching gears, I think we should look at now, like, what does this mean for Bryce Harper? Because right. he's, he's obviously the... the Bryce Last is the prize of the free agent class. And he's still uh, on the board. CBS has him ranked as the number one free agent this year. Yep. And he has not signed with anybody. It seems to us, coming from a few different sources, usually Ken Rosenthal, that the final contenders for Bryce are the Philadelphia Phillies, the San Francisco Giants, the Washington Nationals and perhaps a mystery team. Uh, There's another mystery team. I thought the Giants were the mystery team. The Giants were the original mystery team. I wouldn't count out teams like the Yankees, the Cubs, the Dodgers. I know they've made moves. The Dodgers, for example, got AJ Pollock. Uh, the Cubs need their money to pay for their own guys. The Yankees yeah. seem content rolling Brett Gardner out as a starter. But yeah, that'll work. Um, I wouldn't rule them out just because they can afford a contract like this more so than a market like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Even Philadelphia is not a huge market. No, not at all. So yeah, I so I think in terms of Bryce, I mean, with Manny signing first because this was right. the constant like give and take the you know the tug of war where they were basically just in a staring competition of who would sign first because they knew whoever signed first would give more power to right. to the latter. Right. So the the thing that I think about now is like Manny just signed the 10-year $300 million deal. Now Bryce at minimum is looking for the same amount of years in what 
you know, $50 million more. So, I mean, the, the power is all landed to Bryce Harper and it's going to pretty much be, okay, so Manny got this yeah. Phillies, how many, how many years and when's the opt out and how much is it for the giants? Same question, nationals, everything. I think that's exactly right. I think we were led to believe for a lot of this free agency period that uh, teams weren't willing to spend this kind of money, but Mm -hmm. Manny Machado's reminded us there's always a team out there willing to take the risk and give the gigantic contract. And where I was thinking Bryce Harper might struggle to get 20 to 25 million a year on whatever deal he got, now I think it's clear 30 is the baseline and that, that's he, the line now. he should be looking for more than that because I think if you look at Machado versus Harper, obviously Machado's a better defender mm-hmm. and he's been more consistent in his career offensively, whereas mm-hmm. Harper's had much higher highs than Machado, but also much lower lows. So if you're a team like the Phillies, like the Giants, or even the Nationals, you're sitting there saying, am I going to get the MVP Bryce Harper year after year? Or am I going to get the Bryce Harper from 2018 that wasn't even a top 20 player in the National League? That would be my concern. concern. With the Padres, at least with Machado, you know you're going to get around six wins above replacement. He's going to play every day. And whatever character concerns he has, his numbers are going to help the team achieve a better record whereas with Harper we've seen it last year a few years ago there are times when he plays every day and it doesn't translate to success Mm -hmm. so I think the question for these teams are is Bryce worth that much money and I think what Machado's contract has told us is yes he is worth that much so my question to you is Knowing what we know today, what is your prediction? Where does Bryce Harper sign? And how long is the contract? So I, I want to answer this with, with like a slight precursor. And it, it, it's partly for like the conversations that we've had previous. And it's that the the contract that the Nationals offered at the end of this last season is exactly the same contract that Manny Machado just signed. Exactly. It was the same exact contract. It was 10 years, $300 million. And Bryce said, no. And you know what? I get it. You want to test out free. Because if you sign that contract, you'll go to sleep never knowing, regardless of what the offers were, you know, what they actually were going to end up being. So I get that. That he has a right to do that. He put in his service time. He he played out his contract, his rookie contract, and he – he earned the right to test free agency. I don't fault anybody for that. So I, I, with that precursor in mind, with the way that things have played out, I think that the team that's in the lead right now, as much as it kills me to say with my own biases, is the Phillies, just because they have little to no money on the payroll, enough as it is right now. Um, and, I mean, I think the highest paid player on that team right now is um, Jake Arrieta, right? Who they got, who they got from the Cubs, and I mean, their 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 payroll is wide open, but like you said, they're a mid they're a mid market team. I, they would basically be investing half of their team with the hope that you know half their prospects play, 
you know, payout. And, you know, he leads this team, you know, to multiple playoff appearances and things like that. But the, the worry that we have, and I think it's understandable, is that there's been so much, you know, highs and lows with Bryce that you, you don't know which guy you're going to get every year. So I think the Phillies are the front runner. I don't think the Nationals are out of it by any stretch of the imagination. The only thing I think the Nationals could be willing to go over, I think they, they'll, they can go over the luxury tax. They've been willing to do it in years past. And I know that obviously him being there for the first seven years, they have a relationship with him, and I don't think it's out of the question. I think the Giants are pretty much out of the conversation because they sign him, they can't field a team around him. So I think that's a fair point. I think with the Giants, it would be Bryce wanting to play in San Francisco more than San Francisco wanting Bryce Harper. Obviously, they want him because they've been meeting with him this late into the process. Yep. But I think I think that's a fair point. I think it's going to be the Phillies. I think it's going to be ten years. I think it's going to be north of three hundred million. I, if I was Bryce, I would be looking into that. 325 to 350 million range because we saw Machado get 300 Bryce turned that down he's gonna want more than that Mm -hmm. um as far as opt-out goes I I think it makes sense in Machado got it in year five I think that's fair I think if it was me I would want year three come off the books when you're 29 years old preferably after you've had three straight MVP type season and then sign, sign the half a billion dollar deal and be done with it. Um, I think it's going to be the Phillies. I think it's going to help their team because he's a great player when it comes down to it. I don't know if that's enough for them to become perennial division winners. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a leap from Bryce to go from potential to success he's gonna have to be a top five player in the national league every single year of that contract for them to succeed yeah i mean the part that's so frustrating is that like like we've talked about i mean he's only what he's 25 26 26 yeah he's 26 years old i mean I understand that he wants to get paid. I understand that, you know, it's part of, it's part of what comes along with, you know, contracts being public and, you know, you want to, you want to make a statement with, you know, how much you get paid and it's out of respect for what you've done. You're an MVP, all these different things, but I like, you could be paid so much more per year on a shorter contract right? up until, up until you hit around that 29 to 30 year mark and then from there you can get the massive 10-year deal you know with an opt-out maybe at seven years but that's really the last major contract that you sign and you go from there but this this like three to four year deal is so valuable because it not only you in that in that span you get paid an astronomical amount of money in those in those couple years but you also don't cripple your team's financial flexibility to go out and, you know, re-sign talented players that you already have and then go out and, and, you know, find free agents and other players to build a team around you to build a contender. But I think, you know, you get people chirping in your ear. You get, you know, your agents trying to go out and look for the best deal. You know, you, you want to have financial security. You want to get paid what you think you're worth. I, I understand all of it. I just think that it, it – 
the problem is is that there's so much butting heads that right. that it's hard to find perspective. And you know, as as fans, people that enjoy the game of different teams of baseball in general, we obviously have our own perspective. You know, general managers and front office executives have theirs. You know, agents and players have their own perspectives, and it's hard. But there's not a lot of middle ground being met right now. And I think that's why you're starting to see, especially in last year into this year, I mean, like guys are signing, you know, contracts and in this, and in the staring contest until, you know, mid February. Right. And I mean, some of the best players and it, it's, it's really starting to, you know, throw up some really red flags um, leaning towards potentially a lockout because there, there's this, you know, front office and owners don't, think that they should have to pay these astronomical contracts and players, you know, with the value of baseball going up and, you know, they think that they should be paid being paid more. Right. And I think as as much as I dislike Machado, the player, I think his contract is good for baseball because when a free agent like him goes onto the market, they have to get the big deal. They Mm -hmm. have to set the market. They have to make, other teams know it's okay to pay and it's okay to try to field the team through free agency. Um, we'll see what happens with Bryce. It's late February and he still has not signed with a team. It is, so, uh, it is almost approaching February 21st. Right. And at, we've, we've passed the point last year when JD Martinez hadn't signed Yep, and we were all in shock. Um, I think, me, I think if included. I'm not wrong, Machado signed exactly a year, uh, to, like the exact same day, a year later than JD Martinez. So maybe yeah. there's, maybe there's something to that. Maybe Manny Machado is going to be one of the best batters in his league this year. I don't think he will be, but it's possible. <laughs> so let's move down the list here on from Bryce. On CBS, the next best free agent that's still on the market is Dallas Keuchel of the Houston Astros. Where do you think he's signing? So I played around with this in my head. I was trying to think of teams that you know have money to spend and desperately need pitching. And it, Dallas does not need to go to a team and on a bad team and be a number one. I think I think where Dallas Keuchel has shown the most success in his career is when he's been a solid two or three. Where you know the he doesn't have to bear the weight of the pitching staff and you know have to get a win every time he steps onto the mound like the Chris Sales and the Max Scherzers of the world. Um, so I was playing around with it and where I thought that he might end up, uh, most likely for me, and I think this would be really fun, especially with the year that they had last year, would be the Brewers. I like the Brewers as well. I think Dallas slots in there, likely as their probably a co-ace he'd he'd probably on that team it contradicts what i said a little bit he'd probably have to be the ace on that team i mean it's not i mean they could obviously trade for somebody um right at at the at the deadline in the coming season but i mean he'd be in that two to one range but i mean he's shown that he can do it I, i think preferably for everybody you know to have the most success you'd want him to be in that two to three range but i mean he can anchor a staff and win games Right, and he he would have helped them a lot in the NLCS last year when oh, no question their their plan to not have starting pitchers kind of blew up in their face. But I I like Dallas in Milwaukee. I think I think 
the reason he hasn't signed yet is because I think there's a lot of interest for him. I just don't mm-hmm. think the money is where he's looking for it. He should be, he should honestly be looking for a deal similar to what Patrick Corbin got. Yeah. Uh, maybe not a six year deal. Cause he is 31. He's going to want at least a five year deal. So we'll see how that goes. I also wouldn't rule out the possibility of Houston coming to an agreement with him keep him there bolster that pitching staff even more I think the only way that he goes to Houston is if he's willing to take less money which and I I think that was the case because what you typically see is obviously the first person the first team to talk to you is the team that you're with right so I think that if he was willing to take less money I think that deal would have been done if not before Patrick Corbin just after so I think right. Dallas is looking for a bigger deal. I like you said, I think it's in that five year, you know, twenty to twenty five million dollar range. Oh yeah, if he could get five years a hundred twenty five million, I think he'd be happy. Yeah. Um we'll see who it is. I like the Brewers as a as a contender for him. Moving on. So, um one of the best relief pitchers in baseball since he came into the league. Yep. Fresh off a World Series championship, Craig Kimbrell. He did he did absolutely all he could in certain parts of that playoff stretch to not be a World Series champion, but he did come through. Um, you know, I, I think myself included in Red Sox Nation, uh, we all lost a couple years on our life watching uh, that playoff run with him on the mound. But having said that, nonetheless, he is a champion and he is still unsigned. Right. And he's 30. So yeah, relief pitchers, there's high variance. You're going to have like Andrew Miller for a couple of years there. He was by and far the best relief pitcher in baseball. And we're now about a year and a half removed from that. And we're wondering, can he even be a legitimate piece in a bullpen right now? So with relief pitchers, the long-term contract is scary. I know no, Craig wants is. a long-term contract. I think if I was Craig, I'd be looking for that four- to five-year deal, and I would point to Kenley Jansen's contract and say, I'm worth at least that much. Um, I don't think he is. I I don't think he was the same pitcher last year. I I don't know if I trust him fully in a playoff situation. He He seemed to figure it out as the playoffs went on. But there's no doubt on a slightly weaker team, their season could have ended in the ALDS because of what Craig was doing. Um, I think if we're looking at suitors for him, he's not going to want to go somewhere where they win 65 games. He's going to want to be on a playoff team and a team that needs a closer where he can step in and be the guy that, closes 65 whatever games it is or at least enters into 65 games tied or with a lead trying to close out the game I just don't know where that team is necessarily I think Houston makes sense but they don't have the money the Dodgers don't need him the Rockies don't need him the Brewers definitely don't need him I could see Chicago, the Cubs, potentially throwing down some money for him. 
That would be that would make sense. That would make sense. They they went after Araldis Chapman a couple years ago for a World Series run. Kimbrell is on the same level as him, the established closer for many years now. I think the Cubs would look at him. I don't think the Nationals would look at him, nor would the Yankees. I could see the Braves potentially giving him a look. It is his first team. He spent years there. He had a lot of success there. And they could definitely use a guy to anchor their bullpen that way. And another wild card to me, I don't think it's in the in the playbook anymore, but um, at the right price, he could he could help that Red Sox team. So I I, I kind of dwindled it down to the three teams that you just mentioned. I think the race is the Cubs, the Red Sox, and Atlanta. The the thing that I go back to and when when Craig's brought up is that relief pitchers can be found. You know, they're always available during the season, you know, for help. Um, different guys step up all over the place throughout the season. I mean, you get, you know, I mean, you have Andrew Miller and not come out of nowhere, but I mean, you know, step into resurgence, you know, after being just like a borderline seventh inning guy for the first four years of his career. I mean, relief pitchers pop up all over the place. So right. I, I think one of the things that, like you said, that Craig's battling right now is that he wants to get paid. This is kind of like his last big contract because you don't know what you're going to get with relief pitchers once they start getting up into the age range that he's going to, you know, you know, into his thirties. So I think my favorite, and I might be biased here, but I think the favorite right now is still the Red Sox. I think, you know, he likes playing there. He knows that he knows them. He's won a championship with them. I think that carries a lot of weight. You know, I mean, you see it time and time again, winning, winning, you know, fixes a lot of things, but it also takes care of like a lot of things as well. And you can have, you know, it, you, you, the Red Sox kind of have a chip on their pocket where it's just like, they have a really good team for, for years to come with a lot of good talent. And he could be, you know, in the, he could be the anchor of that bullpen and continue to be where he lives and where he's comfortable. I think the Absolutely, Cubs yeah. could throw him a lot of money. I, I think they'd be willing to. I mean, they've shown that they've wanted to go out and get big market closers with, you know, Wade Davis. Yep. Um, and uh, Araldis Chapman in the past. I think they're definitely a suitor. I don't think he'll go back to Atlanta. I think that chapter's kind of closed for him. I, I think he kind of, you know, he had success there and made a name for himself, but I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to go back and try to rewrite history or, you know, pull them through to like, you know, losing the division series. I completely agree. So, Craig, we'll keep an eye on you. Yep. Moving on, Marwin Gonzalez. Unbelievable oh. to me that he's still a free agent. The most valuable utility man in in baseball right now, and I have and I and I have Brock Holt on my team. <laughs> I I just don't see what way Marwin Gonzalez is a free agent. Um, I always <laughs> thought Houston would pay the money to keep him. He's only oh, yeah. twenty nine. He's gonna he's gonna be looking in that five year plus range probably. This this is most likely his only big contract that he's gonna get. Nick, he, I, that's where I think you're wrong. I think he wants the Manny Machado deal. I think Marlon wants the ten year three hundred million dollar deal. That's why he hasn't been signed through February. Well, Marlon's gonna be waiting a, a little bit longer than this February <laughs> for three hundred. I still I still think the Astros keep him. Um, it's where he found success won a world series 
uh, proved to be maybe their third most valuable batter behind Altuve and Bregman, mm-hmm. with no disrespect intended to Carlos Correa or, <laughs> or George Springer. Um, I still think Houston makes sense. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of a short-term deal somewhere else, maybe like a one- or two-year deal where he can he can go maybe get a little bit more responsibility mm-hmm. and kind of show everybody, yes, I am good. I deserve money. Uh, I don't know where that would be. I kind of liked earlier on in the offseason, I kind of liked Colorado because, as we know, mm-hmm. they lost DJ LeMahieu. But then Colorado got Daniel Murphy, and we're going to assume that he's playing second base. So that doesn't in a wheelchair. Rule, in a wheelchair. That doesn't rule out Marwin Gonzalez, but because um, you can play him in the outfield anywhere, really. But I, I don't know if that makes sense. I think for Marwin, it's probably at this point more about money than it is about the team. And I don't blame him for that because this is really his shot to get the deal. He's not 26. He's 29. He's going to turn right. 30. He's going to want money. So um, good luck to Marlon Gonzalez. And, you know, if if the Astros don't keep him, they just get a little weaker again. <laughs> and it's going to keep happening because <laughs> – it, it's what what do you mean Alex Bregman wants you know 350 million dollars and George Springer wants you know wants 10 years uh, you know 20 per and you know Carlos Correa is you know astronomically you know wants 400 million dollars and we're a mid-market team and all we do is lose you know valuable prospects when it's time for them to get paid I would almost say Springer is the the most valuable one of the bunch I know that might not be backed up on fan graphs, but um, Springer's kind of the engine that makes that team go You're besides right. how Jose Altuve. So we'll see what happens with Marwin. Uh, a favorite of mine, Gio Gonzalez, finished the year in Milwaukee after pitching for the Nationals for the last six years. Still a free agent. He's 33 years old, so he doesn't have that going for him. Nicky's going home. Is home DC or is home Oakland? Oakland, and, and this is this to me was one of the easiest ones out of the bunch. O- I Oakland love, needs pitching I love depth. That. I love Geo back in Oakland. Well, th- that's that's where he's going. He he played there. He's familiar with the team. Oakland needs pitching depth. Oh, yeah. They don't need they don't need him to you know be a number two or or anything like that. They need they need arms and they need guys that are going to compete. They have that gritty you know, grind out six innings, you know, five walks, three earned runs, like, you know, types of performances. And that's good enough for them because the statistics favor, you know, favor those types of performances. So I, I absolutely think that Gio is destined to go to Oakland. I like that as well because Oakland, they had a really solid team built and their pitchers just kept going down one by one. I know he's 33, but one thing Gio Gonzalez is going to give you every year is 30 starts. He's yep. not going to miss time. So I think there's a value in that, especially in Oakland, a place he's familiar with on a young team where he can kind of take on a veteran leadership role. Mm-hmm. If he ends up in Oakland, I wish him nothing but the best. And if he ends up anywhere else, I still wish him nothing but the best. Uh, this is one that's kind of shocking, 
in a lot of ways. I don't think two or three years ago we would have even considered this guy playing somewhere else. Adam Jones, Baltimore Orioles, 33-year-old free agent. I never thought that he would ever see free agency. Like, I like when you think about guys that just, like, you, you assimilate a team, regardless of how good or bad they are throughout the years, you just assimilate one guy with the team. You know, you think of Ryan Zimmerman with the Nationals. You think of David Ortiz with the Red Sox. I mean, right. there's a whole list of guys, right? You just don't ever see them playing anywhere else because they've been there forever. Like Adam Jones, the fact that they never got a, a contract extension done within the last, like, I, what was the last year they made the playoffs? 2000 and was it 15? I think, it, yeah, it was either 14 or 15. But right then, right in that offseason, you signed him to an extension. It doesn't matter what your team looks like. You pay Adam Jones. You move him to right field when he gets older. You move him to the DH. He retires. He gets his name. He gets his he gets his jersey retired, his number up in the stands. I mean, that that's how this is handled. But, of course, of course, the Baltimore Orioles, one of the marquee franchises of dysfunction, managed to take – Maybe one of the nicest, most yeah. charitable, hardworking players that baseball has in today's game, and and throw him out at 33 years old, in into free agency, and and not give him the respect that he deserves. And the the unfortunate thing here is, Adam Jones loves playing for the Orioles as bad as they've been, and they do not. They are not hurting for money. They could afford him at whatever price. I don't know where the fit is for him. I think whoever gets him, you're betting on a resurgence. You're betting on a change of scenery helping him. Still a very talented player. Um, Any predictions for where Adam Jones ends up? I, I don't I don't really have a place because I mean you have to start getting into like who needs a left fielder you know who needs a fourth outfielder on a good team I mean the the fact is Adam didn't Adam had a no trade clause and I mean he, he the Orioles were trying to deal him to a contender right. which I give them credit for you know and Adam Adam didn't want to go he this is where he spent his career he you know he he does a lot of things in the in the DMV area you know charity wise he's his family's here he didn't want to uproot them and I. I totally right. respect that. It, it wasn't to him. He's kind of like the opposite of like a Carmelo Anthony where like he doesn't he doesn't care about the money. I, I mean, he doesn't care about the money, he, but he kind of doesn't care about winning, too. So right. you, it's kind of like he's like Carmelo, but he's not. I like, know yeah, it's like the bizarro comparison. Carmelo Anthony. Exactly. Um, like he, he has, he, he wants to stay, but he also doesn't like care about winning, but he doesn't care about money. I, I don't know. Adam Jones is like, throws me through a loop. I, I kind of, when I'm looking at teams that kind of have a need for a guy like him, I think again, and I think, I feel like we say this about every free agent, the Cubs make sense. The Cardinals yeah. make some sense. Um, I wouldn't rule out the Yankees. I know they seem content with their outfield the way it is, but if your starting outfield is Adam Jones, Aaron Hicks, and Aaron Judge, you got to feel a lot better than Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, and Aaron <laughs> Judge. Now you got to go with a Triple A outfield, and I mean that in many senses. 
<laughs> if I'm the Yankees, again, this is a no-brainer for me because I've already said I'm not going after Bryce Harper. Fine, you don't have to. Pay up the money, convince Adam Jones to go there. He's going to bounce back. He's going to be playing in a little league ballpark. He's He's got power in his swing still. He's a guy you can slot at the top of your lineup or the bottom of your lineup. He plays solid outfield defense. He loves to play against the Red Sox. Right. He, he, he's used to the division. Yep. I, I, if I'm the Yankees, I, I get that deal done three months ago. But the, the, <laughs> the, Cubs, the Cubs one actually makes a lot of sense, too. And the reason I bring that up, too, is because think about Adam Jones, even as he's getting older. I mean, you have um, Hayward in the outfield, who's without question one of the elite defensive right fielders, but he can't hit the broad side of a barn. Right. With his bat. But you're really not getting that much of a drop off with Adam Jones if he gets used to right field. I mean, you've got a plus arm, you've got a guy that's won gold gloves, and he's going to hit better. Sure, of course. So, and he probably won't be, I mean, the, the money won't be, you know, enormous to sign him. I, I don't see why he couldn't go to the Cubs and be successful there. And I don't think you're having that much of a drop off. You're getting a better bat and slightly worse defense. Right, exactly. I think. I think there are teams out there where there's a clear pathway for Adam Jones. I don't know what the holdup is, but I think we could say that about a lot of these guys. But we'll keep an eye on Adam Jones, and assuming he doesn't go to the Yankees, wish him luck in the rest of his career. Yep. Um, the the one that I really wanted to talk about real quick, Jose Iglesias. Well, well I'll, I'll I'll segue into it. Jose Iglesias, you can't you can't hit. You play great defense. I'm going to wish you well in whatever small market team that you go to. Right. Uh, and, and you know, you don't hit, but you play you play good defense. You're like – basically the way I look at him is like the – the uh, oh, God, Simmons for Anaheim, but he's never going to – he's going to hit so much worse. Right. Yeah, at least with Andrelton Simmons, he has kind of developed a little bit and become – competent hitter like he's he's able to be in your lineup every day and then with his defense he makes you that much better I don't think Iglesias can ever give you that no but the one I want to get to and this is one of my favorite free agents just because of the person that he is but also could what he could bring as a secret weapon to a team Evan Gaddis is a free agent and he needs to find a home the lumberjack I love Evan Gaddis he steps into the bat, the into the box, and there is a 50-50 chance that he's either going to hit a ball 550 feet or he's going to strike out and come nowhere near to touching a baseball. Right. It, well, his, he, his strikeout percentage last year was a little concerning, um, but it also wasn't because in his best year in Houston, he struck out more than a quarter of the time he swung the bat, which is – kind of frustrating as a fan because you don't want to see guys strike out that much. It was actually down from that year. It was up from last year, but down from his best year. What mm-hmm. What's worrying is the walks aren't there. No. But the power is. And the, he, he's the 25 to 30 home runs when he's healthy and plays a full season, those are valuable because – Slotted in the right spot and used correctly, Evan Gaddis can be, like you said, sort of a secret weapon 
for a team. I, I think the market is only the American League, though. I, I think at this point, unless you have a glaring hole at first base where you could put him, I think I think he's a DH more often than not at this point. I, I agree, but my favorite place for him to go, and this is this is kind of fun. The team that I have in mind has, in the last couple of years, and their brilliant GM has made a living off of having, you know, older power hitters that can come up clutch in moments, you know, and they sit on the bench for eight, seven, eight, nine innings, and then they can come on the bench and make something happen in, the, in a game. The Washington Nationals is the perfect place for Evan Gaddis. He does not have to play. If, if you get into trouble in, in injury-wise at first base or catcher, Evan can play those positions. But with the Chris Heisey's of the of of the world, you know, and the the Matt Adamses and whatever, you know, and the other right. players that the Nationals have had, Evan Gaddis can sit on that bench in, in DC on a contending playoff team and come off the bench and hit home runs in the eighth inning and just be a fan favorite. And I think it's a beautiful fit. I think the fit's decent. Um the Nationals re-signed Matt Adams, which I think eliminates that possibility. It's I true. know coming into the offseason, the Nationals wanted a left-handed first baseman basically to back up Ryan Zimmerman. And as we saw last year, Matt Adams actually ended up starting a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that prevents this from happening, but I wouldn't rule it out. Um, he's not going to be looking for an unreasonable contract. He's 32. He'll turn 33 this year. Um, he's never had a year north of three wins above replacement. He's only notched two or more twice in his career, once for the Braves, once for the Astros. Um, definitely a great bench player if you get him. He would be great, great team guy. He, oh, yeah. He would be one of those guys that makes any bench one of the best in baseball. If you have to rely on him starting a lot of games, I would only no want it to be at, at DH. If he's my DH and he's somewhere in that six, five, six, seven range in my lineup, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm concerned there. But just looking at teams for Evan Gaddis in the American League, I don't know exactly where the fit is. Um, I also kind of like Oakland as a, as a dark horse oh. for him. I think oh, that he slots really in, good. He slots in well there. Billy Bean's shown a willingness to take on guys like him who are older, lacking yep. in production at times. Now it's worth noting he was basically a replacement level player last year, even though he hit twenty five home runs. That's concerning to me. I know he doesn't play defense. And uh, he doesn't do some of the things you want him to do. Like he doesn't walk very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the RBIs are, they fluctuate, but they're never more than 80 usually. Um, it, it worries me that his last two years, he's been worth a combined one win above replacement. Yeah. That I, I think definitely if you can get him on your bench, you're happy. And if, oh, you're, yeah. if you're Oakland, you got to get it done. Oakland, Oakland seems like uh, Oakland would be a premier pick for for Evan Gaddis. I mean, that just makes that team so much more fun. I mean, it, it's just the island of misfit toys 
over there. And when you actually start looking in, like if you just scroll through fan graphs for the Oakland Athletics, I mean, their team is so well built and so much fun. Right. And it, it plays perfectly into that money ball type system you know, where you're finding value where people are constantly overlooked. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think Oakland's not really a free agent destination. I think it's safe no. to say that, but for a guy like, like Evan Gaddis, I think it makes sense to take whatever money's being offered and have a home for yourself where you can actually contribute for the remaining years of your, of your baseball life. February 20th. I wanted to get your um, idea of what the division winners look like for the AL and the NL, the wild cards, and then kind of how you think the playoffs are going to shake out. So um, why don't we jump into that a little bit? I'll start in the NL. Um, I'm more familiar with the NL. The NL West is going to the Rockies this year. Oh, I love it. Let's get a little change up. Just real quick, um, we've talked about this before with the Dodgers making it to the two World Series and winning neither of them is a huge red flag for the future of your organization. Now they're getting Corey Seager back and they've made some good acquisitions and certainly they're still a talented team. Um, I think this is the year the Rockies break through. They've been pushing at the ceiling of that wild card. They very nearly, very nearly surpassed it and won the division. It came down to a game 163. Um, I like the acquisitions the Rockies have made. I think Daniel Murphy healthy for them is better than DJ LeMahieu this year. I don't know in the future if that holds true, but I think this year betting on a bounce back from him is smart. A contract year for Arenado. He's been one of the league's best every year of his career, basically. I like the Rockies here. In that 93 to 95 win range, I, I don't think the the best records coming out of the West this year. I think the Rockies get it, and I think that's the only playoff team from the NL West next year. Wow. So only move, playoff team. I, move, I, I, I think I agree. Right. Moving on, um, the Central, I think the Cubs are taking it this year. I think a 95-win season last year wasn't enough to win the division, which was – kind of perplexing uh the brewers are going to regress a little bit they have the reigning mvp christian yelich but other than that we're going to expect them to drop down into that maybe 88 to 90 win range i think the cubs more than any team in the nl have a chance to reach 100 games they were plagued by injuries last year and they still almost have the best record in the nl I think they bounce back. They have home field through the NL playoffs, and they will be the top record in the NL. I don't know if I just said that twice. Uh, moving on to the East, the Nationals are taking it after missing the playoffs last year. They're going to mm-hmm. win somewhere in the 92 to 95 win range. The Braves are going to regress slightly. They're going to be a. They're going to be about the same. They're going to be in that 80. 86 to 88, 89 win range. Um, So I have the Rockies, the Cubs, and the Nationals as division winners. Mm -hmm. My two wild card teams are the Brewers and the Braves. I think the Brewers make sense. 
they have the MVP, like I said. They have a quality team. I think they're going to win around 90 games. It's not going to be enough for the Central, but it's going to be enough for a playoff spot. I like the Braves here because I think they're a young team. They're a talented team. They took the division last year by eight games, which I don't think we can take lightly. I think a lot of us, including myself, are betting on the Nationals to have a big resurgence, but Mm -hmm. I don't think we should throw the Braves away. I think they've proven that they're going to be a legitimate playoff threat for years to come. I think the teams that are going to miss it barely – are the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Phillies. I think all three of those teams feel that they're playoff teams. I don't think any of those three are going to make the cut this year. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see a pathway to all of that happening. For me, I had I have the Nationals on a big bounce back here. I think they're um, – Mike Rizzo has made several really smart, smart free agency signings in positions and catcher – with Jan Gomes fulfilling that left-handed spot at first base with Matt Adams. They got Patrick Corbin, who, you know, in I think everybody's opinion was the top pitching, uh, top pitching free agent. I think that they're going to have a big bounce back here. I think this is the Cubs uh, division to win this year in the central. They, they have a chip on their shoulder. They got bounced in the wild card game. Um, that's not their standard and hasn't been for the last couple of years. They have one of the best managers in baseball, and they have an MVP in Chris Bryant, and um, they have Rizzo at first base. I think that that's a team that's going to win the division. Like you said, I think there's going to be a slight regression from the Brewers. Um, Going into the West, I still have the Dodgers winning the West. I think that they have enough, you know, we're going to get back to the World Series, you know, we're going to finally, you know, get over the hump type mentality to make the playoffs and win their division. Um, I don't, I, I, I'll get into that in a little bit later of what's, what I think their fate's going to be. Um, in the wild card, I have the Braves, um, coming in second in the NL East and, uh, getting, uh, a wild card spot. And then I also have the Rockies right up behind them, uh, also getting a wild card spot. So a little, I don't think the Phillies are ready. I don't know if they'll ever be ready. And I think the Brewers, caught so many guys at just the right time last year. And they kind of caught, they they were like that magic Cinderella team, basically that just, you know, nobody expected them to win that many games and to have the season that they had. And typically when you see that, it's great. It's, it's awesome for their fan base. I'm glad that I'm glad that the Brewers had that success, but you don't usually see that um, two years in a row from a a team with that type of resume. Um, So that's kind of how I have the NL shaking out. So moving on to the AL, uh, who do you have uh, as division winners? I'll start in the West again. I like the Astros here. I think they're still talented enough to be in a 100-win team, even if they lose Dallas Keuchel and Marlon Gonzalez. I think they've proven that the AL West is theirs for now. We'll see if We'll see if anyone else can make some moves, but I think at least this year it's their division to lose. I think in the Central, the only pick is the Indians. They didn't really get any better. They probably got a little bit worse. That division is a train wreck, and hopefully (laughs) hopefully this is the last year where there's not... Please. In every other division, 
there was at least a competition. I know, I know in, in both Easts, the division winner won by eight games. And in the AL West, the Astros won by six games. But uh, they, were, they were at least a second team that was contending for the playoffs into at least August. In the AL Central, I think we knew in March that they won. They, it, they, what were they up? They were up 15 games going into May. Right, and I mean, they, it was like, they were exposed in the playoffs, and because they they hadn't played a meaningful game in six and a half months. For, of the twelve playoff teams, I think they might have been the eleventh or twelfth best. Um, but they're going to win the division again. They're going to hope that they have the right combination of guys to look more like the twenty sixteen team than the team from the last couple years. I mean, they almost. They almost made a run in 2017. They ran into a hot Yankees team, which was unfortunate for them at the time. Um, oh, do I have that wrong? No, no, no. they ran. They ran into the hot Yankees team, right? Uh, right. In 2017. Um, so, so I have the Indians coming out of the Central, the Astros out of the West. I think the Red Sox are the clear-cut favorite in the East. They were in a 108-win team. They won the World Series. They didn't run into really any issues in their playoff run. They've made some solid moves by doing really not that much. They have the reigning MVP. They have young talent everywhere. They're returning an extremely talented pitching rotation. Healthy Chris Sale. David Price with the monkey off his back. I think the bullpen's a little weaker than it was last year, but they're betting on guys like Ryan Brazier to sort of take the next step and build off his playoff success. So I like them there winning the division outright. I think the Red Sox should still win the American League as far as most wins go. I think the only team contending with them is the Astros again, and we'll see how it shakes out, but I think – those are the three division winners. For my wild card teams, I love Oakland again. I think Oakland, uh, it's crazy to me. They, they were a 97-win team with all their injuries. The that's only insane. thing that stopped them from winning the division was the Astros being too good. In, in most years, 97 wins gets you potentially the, the best overall record in your league. So No question. I think a 97-win team that has made some good moves, has moves to make still, and is returning a lot of guys from injury, I think they're a clear-cut wild card for me. I think the expectation is that the Yankees are the other wild card. They were a 100-win team. Uh, they sort of gave the Red Sox a run for their money in like one game in the playoffs, <laughs> which we shouldn't discount. No. That being said, um, as of today, I'm going to go with the Yankees as as the fifth playoff team. But that's that's got a possibility to change. I'm not going to count out Mike Trout. I know he hasn't made the playoffs since 2014, but time is running out. And they've made some okay moves that we can't hate on, really. They have Otani focusing on hitting 
which is a good thing. They have the best player in baseball. Yep. And we'll see what happens with the Angels, but I think I think it, it's going to depend on early season success for them. Can they stay in contention through May, potentially make some moves at the deadline and actually make a run? I don't know if they can, but if they can – I think they have a potential to be a wild card team. The central is horrible and only one playoff team will come out of there. Rightfully. So, so I think the only other potential playoff team would be the Rays. They were a 90 game winner. Somehow they finished 18 games back. The the Um, Rays are not, the Rays are not winning 90 games this year. You can, you can put me down for that. I think I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I think as of right now, my, my playoff teams are the Astros, the Athletics, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Indians. But that is liable to change. How are you feeling? The AL is just so top-heavy. And I think we're going to see the same thing that we had. I don't mean to be boring, but I mean, it, it, it's just kind of the truth. I mean, unoriginal, but, but the AL is so top-heavy, and there's so – many good teams at, like the Red Sox, the Indians, Houston, New York. I mean, Oakland fits into that list. And then it just, there's just this decline. And it, it's unfortunate because in baseball, and we talk about this, obviously, you know, we have our favorite teams, but we like to see parity and, and baseball does have parity. I think you see it most recently a lot more in the NL, but you'd like to see, I mean, some of the best, you know, playoff runs, you know, and, and building up to the playoffs is like when the twins make the, when, when the twins make the playoffs, when Oakland makes the playoffs, you know, when the angels and Mike Trout get to have, get to have a run at it, you know, when, when Tampa Bay is making a push, I mean, as much as I love seeing the Red Sox win and have success and, you know, the Yankees are there and, you know, Houston in the last couple of years, you know, eventually, I mean, it's going to get old and, the old caveat of like, you know, well, the Red Sox and Yankees in the playoffs is good for baseball. Like it's just, it's not always the case. It, you need to have parity. You need to have, you know, mid-market teams, teams that aren't spending over the luxury tax make the playoffs. And it, it, it makes it interesting. It, it attracts viewership and it, it adds another wrinkle into the fold. And I, I think the playoffs are always better when teams like that make it. Having said that, I mean, I'm pretty much on the same page as you. I think the Indians there's no competition. It was fun when the Twins had their year uh, two years ago, but I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Detroit's a disaster. It, you know, the White Sox are years away. I don't think any of that's possible. Uh, I think Houston is going to win the West. They're just too good. Um, I. I. I would love to live in the world where Oakland makes a push, and Houston ends up having to be bumped to a wild card, and then you can go from there. Uh, I do think the Red Sox are going to win their division they were the best team in baseball last year they won the most games they lost I think one game well I don't think I know they lost one game in each round of the playoffs on the on the road to a championship I think I think they're going to win the division outright I think they're going to have the most wins in baseball going into the wild card I agree I think that Oakland's going to make the uh I think that Oakland's going to be the top wild card and then I would love to live in a world where the Angels make the wild card and, and beat out New York. I think, you know, obviously being biased as a, as a Red Sox fan is nothing better than watching the Yankees spend a billion and a half dollars and 
um, not making the playoffs. But I, I do think as we stand right now, New York will end up uh, taking that other wild card spot. I do not think that they will win 100 games. Though. So one question I want to ask you, wrapping this thing up, who wins the MVP in each league this year? Oh, now, as a reminder, last year the American League MVP was Mookie Betts of the Red Sox. Oh, thank you. I forgot. I didn't think you <laughs> forgot, but um, he had one of the best years in recent memory and edged out Mike Trout pretty easily for the voters. And uh, just looking back in previous years, it was Mike Trout, so... Um, so we have two contenders for you there. And then in the NL last year's MVP was the surprise Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. Um, well-deserved though. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, it was a weak year in the NL and he capitalized on that pretty, pretty nicely. Um, mm-hmm. Looking in the NL uh, other contenders, Javi Baez, Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon, Freddie Freeman. Wait, who was that guy you just mentioned? Um, Nolan Arenado. Um, (laughs) How about Nolan Arenadone? Aaron Done. Nolan. Aaron. Aaron. How about just Anthony Anthony Rendone getting any recognition? Well, Anthony Rendone was better than Nolan Arenado last year, but that's a. I I have like a six hour podcast about that one. (laughs) Um, So, notably missing from that list in the NL is Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, the two prize yep. free agents. Uh, now we don't know if Bryce is going to be in the NL. We think he will be. Uh, those two guys deserve to be mentioned. Uh, Machado's year would have placed him in the discussion last year. If he played mm-hmm. the entire year in the NL in the American league. Uh, I mean, it was Mookie Betts's award basically from the first day of the season. Um, Mike Trout was nearly as good on a worse team. Jose Ramirez was in the discussion for a while. Alex mm-hmm. Bregman, Francisco Lindor were also in the discussion. Uh, moving beyond that, you had J.D. Martinez really as the only other contender. Now, as a designated hitter, generally, he's not going to get as much credit, but it's worth noting that he was – an MVP level player last year. So my question to you is 2019, which two guys are taking home the awards? I think JD Martinez was quoted when he arrived at spring training. I think he said that a DH would have to walk on water to win the, to win the MVP. I I think was, I think was the exact quote. And I think I'd tend to agree with him. I think you gotta, I think you gotta play a little bit of defense. Um, But if, if there was anybody that was going to do it, it was going to be JD last year. Um, I, I'm going to fight every fiber of my being and every bit of Homer that I have to say that I think it's really, really, really hard to win MVPs back-to-back years because not only do you have to replicate the year that you had in your MVP year, but then you have to build on it. And at 10.6 wins above replacement, it's like – you can't sit – you cannot rationally sit somewhere and ask Mookie Betts to play better than he played last year. So I think it's always Mike Trout's award until it's not. 
and until somebody takes it from him. I, I think he has the Tom Brady effect where, you know, he's clearly the best player in baseball and you can't give it to him every year, even though you should. You, you actually should give it to him every year because he is the best player in baseball. But I think he's got that effect going for him. I'm going to say it's Mike Trout just because he hasn't gotten in, what, God, two years? Right. I, I mean, he's so, played seven years and – I would say in six of those seven years, he should have won the MVP. I can confidently say that he was the best player in at least five of those years. I will say last year, Mookie Betts was better than him. It was close, and Mike Trout might have been better in some areas. (laughs) Uh, Mike Trout's a better power hitter. Um, Mike Trout's going to drive in more runs for you generally. He walks more. Uh, he's a he's a slightly better batter overall. I think the 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 difference here was Mookie Betts was potentially the best defensive outfielder in baseball, and he he helped his team win 108 games, whereas Mike Trout's team won I think 15 games. So <laughs> well, Mookie Betts also also uh, dunked a ball 360 the week before the World Series and bowled a 300 after. A I week think after that, winning the that World Series. factored into it, I think. was I, It doesn't have to. If you're a voter, you, you're sitting here looking at Mike Trout. You're like, okay, well, this guy, he's a really great baseball player. He's very valuable. He might be the most valuable, but he's not dunking basketballs, and he's not bowling 300. So like, like what else guess. can you do, Mike Trout? I mean, well, yeah, you, you can hit a ball, but in, like, can, in you, the can NL, you do anything else? In the NL, if you can lift the bat, <laughs> you can win the MVP. But in, <laughs> Here we go. in the American League, you really have to take the extra step. The, the thing, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's Mike Trout's award to lose until it's not. I, it, I think your favorite statistic in, in Factoid on the Planet is bringing up that Mike Trout has finished, I think, first or second in like six of the seven years he's been in baseball. And, he, and like you said, he should have, I mean, how many MVP trophies should he have five at minimum? I, I think five would be, would be a right. I would set the over under at five and I would. Nick is not an angels fan, by the way. I just want to make that very clear. Nick, <laughs> no, Nick I, does not love have, the angels. I have no ties to the angels. <laughs> I just recognize greatness. I agree with your pick of Mike Trout. I think it's, I think even if Mookie Betts puts up a similar year, if he if he gets to 95% of what he did last year, I don't think it's enough just because winning back-to-back MVPs is hard. And as great as Mookie Betts has been in his career, there's got to be some regression. Now, that, that doesn't mean he can't have an even better year. He very well could. Uh He's got areas to improve in his game. Like we've talked about before, he can't really walk yet. Um, he's he's still got a ways to go driving guys in. Um, I think we'll see Mookie Betts continue to have that insane defensive ability that puts him by itself into the discussion of top outfielders in baseball. And then when you factor in the 30 home run pop, the amount of runs he scores, the the tools that he brings to the table, I think it's very. You're possible. talking yourself into the MVP right now. Like I can hear you doing it. You're like <laughs> I cannot wait to have the the podcast, like the MVP podcast, like going into June when Mookie Betts has like 13 home runs. He's already stolen like 11 bases. You know, he's he's driven in 
a good a good 30 RBIs, you know, 30 to 30 to 35 RBIs, and you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, like, I think I think Mookie Betts is gonna win twelve is gonna be a 12 and a half win player this year. <laughs> I think it's it's totally possible. Now, Mookie Betts is 26 years old, so... He's not that old. He I is, think he's 12. He's not old. Um, in his career, in his really four healthy, playing everyday kind of seasons, he's either been a five-win player or an eight-plus win player. He, he's fluctuated year to year. He 4.8, 8.2... 5.3, 10.4. The question for Mookie Betts is, are you the eight-win guy every year, or are you uh, a guy who's going to sort of go back and forth? I would lean towards him being one of the truly elite players year after year. I think when you look at the mitigating factors in 2017, you can kind of see why he didn't repeat the success from 2016. I think we're going to be looking at Mookie Betts as a guy that puts up eight win seasons regularly and contends in the top three for MVP year after year. Having said that, I agree with the Mike Trout pick. It's his award until it's not. Right. It's just that's that's the that's the nature of the beast in the AL. It's his till it's not. So moving over to the NL, this is more of like a toss up. And it, it's going to be it, – there's not going to be any clear-cut answer like in the AL until you – until, you know, you start getting into that July all-star break range when you can really start narrowing the field. I mean, the players that you mentioned previously, the Arenados, you know, the the Bryants, the Harpers, potentially the Machados. I mean, those, those are kind of your clear-cut guys. They play – most of them play elite defense. They have, you know, that middle of the lineup carry a team bat. If I had to sit here today and think to myself who I think potentially could be the MVP, I'm actually going to go with Nolan Arenado potentially. And the reason I say that is because he's one of the guys of that list that hasn't won one yet. And I think he could just have an unconscious season going into a contract year. And I think he's really going to be playing for that. And I think especially being in Colorado, numbers are fluctuated a little bit. They're going to be a playoff team. I think Nolan Arenado could – take that next step, I think that he can also uh, win the MVP. Now, having said that, it could be nine other guys. No, I agree with you. Um, It's going to give you 40 home runs. It's going to give you well over 100 RBIs every year. Uh, He's going to bat in that 290 to 300 range. He's he's got the the outward statistics of an MVP. Uh, He's never had more than 5.7 wins above replacement, which is important because – that's generally not enough to win an MVP. Yelich uh, no. won it with 7.6. In years past, in Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper's MVP years, they had north of 8.5 to 9. So right. it's going to take more from Arenado. The defense is there. The defense is outstanding. We see it every single day from him. Uh, he's going to play in every game pretty much. He, he, he never misses more than about five or six games a year. And the production is consistent. The question is, is he going to start doing those little things that MVPs do? Is he going to take more walks, right? Is he going to not necessarily drive in more runs, but contribute more on the stat sheet where it doesn't count? The triple slash line is going to be great, but can he go from a 
six-win player to an eight-win player? I think he can. I think he absolutely can. He's 27 years old. His best baseball might still yet might still be yet be to I can't say that right. Might might still come later. Um yep. just I, I like Arenada. That was my first thought when I posed the question. I think Yelich is not a good bet. I think regression is coming from him. Yep. Um I think Manny and Bryce are gonna have to step into like I think in that first year they're gonna have to get adjusted. I think you're gonna see Maybe they might start initially well out of the gate, maybe not, but I don't think I don't think in their first year. I think it's really hard to have an MVP season adjusting to a new situation if that's what ends up happening. I think the avenue for Machado is three years from now he's an MVP, and I think God, I hope not. I, Sorry, I, did I say that out loud? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's likely, but I think the avenue for Harper is have a season like he did in 2017 or 2015 and lead the Phillies to a division championship. I think that's the only thing. That, now, yeah. we don't know if he's signing with the Phillies, but it's looking pretty likely. If they win 95 games, win the division, and Bryce has a year like he's had in the past, I think mm-hmm. that's that's the way he wins the MVP. Um, he's I, certainly capable. <laughs> I think the, the interesting thing here is there's no favorite. Uh, I could even see Paul Goldschmidt doing it if the Cardinals get back to the playoffs. Um, I like Freddie Freeman. If the field is weak, I think he, he's got the ability to jump ahead. Yep. And if the Braves win the division, um, I don't think he'll ever get recognition, but Anthony Rendon should be in the consideration. He's been a top five hitter in the NL for years now and if the nationals get back to the playoffs i think he's going to be the number one reason why um so yeah i think i think we're looking at arenado harper freeman goldschmidt guys like that yeah um it's just going to depend on like christian yelich who's the guy who's going to rise above everybody and prove that they're the mvp so real Go real ahead. quick before real quick before we go. Are we positive? Are we are we absolutely sure that Paul Goldschmidt is going to play for the Cardinals in this coming season? Like that trade went through and like <laughs> when when I turn on the TV at at the end of March, like Paul Goldschmidt's going to be batting fourth for the St. Louis Cardinals cuz that that is just it's unbelievable for me. It's unbelievable that it didn't get any news really. Now it happened. People talked about it for five minutes and then it went away. It happened in December. So I get it. If by now it's kind of on the back burner, as far as news goes now, um, Harper and Machado taking so long didn't help in this regard, but no. he, he does play for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now he's 31 years old. Um, He's been arguably the best first baseman in the NL since 2013. No question. And going to the Cardinals, they were a a fringe playoff team last year. They ran into some issues in the beginning of the season that they weren't able to overcome. I don't think Matt Carpenter is going to match what he did last year, but I think Goldschmidt is a guy who on – a playoff caliber team can be the guy that gets you there. We'll see how it goes for the Cardinals, but um, Goldschmidt's definitely a contender. 
it, I just it baffles me that that's where he's going to be playing uh, baseball. I feel like it, I feel like it, it was just made in the twilight zone, and I woke up and it didn't really happen. Uh, so yeah, and then hopefully this year Anthony Rendon will uh, be an All Star as he rightly deserves. I think, and uh, people will learn his name. I think that. Um... Rendon will make an all-star team this year. I think I think it's safe to say that he has been deserving of it in five of his six years. He definitely is going to be looking to improve upon what he did last year because this is the contract year for him. And mm-hmm. I'm totally fine if nobody ever learns his name. <laughs> I just hope when he hangs it up in 15 years, the hat he goes into the Hall of Fame with is the curly W. The I, when I think of when I think of Anthony Rendon, the first things that comes to my mind is 6.5 wins above replacement, come hell or high water. Yeah. I also think of Bigfoot. I think of the <laughs> Loch Ness monster. I think of Ben Zobrist. And I think of Ben Zobrist and other fictional people. Who like that? That who? <laughs> who? Paul Bunyan. Ooh. That's that's who I think of. <laughs> yeah, so that that's what I got. Definitely. I think we're going to wrap it up now. Thank you for listening to Stats on Deck. Once again, I'm Nick Laporte. I am uh, I'm Jake Adams and uh, we'll see you next time.